0: This episode of Elevate Your Leadership has been brought to you in part by iFly Virginia Beach Indoor Skydiving. At iFly Virginia Beach, we bring people together through the dream of flight. Check out our corporate events to include on-site leadership training. Visit iFlyVABeach.com. That's iFlyVABeach.com.
1: In this series, entrepreneurs, industry executives, academics, public figures, and other highly effective professionals share their formulas for success with you. Welcome
0: everybody to this episode of Elevate Your Leadership with me, your host, Bob Pazzini. Today's guest is a special treat. He is a drummer amongst many wonderful things that he's done with his life. I'm talking about Mark Schulman. Mark has enjoyed an unprecedented career over the last 30 years as a first call drummer for world-class rock and pop artists. Mark has done four record-breaking world tours with Pink, and Mark also played with Cher from 1999 to 2014. I'm gonna read one more paragraph about Mark, even though there's about 20 more I could read, and then we're gonna hear from Mark directly. Mark's resume reads like a who's who of international rock and roll royalty, including acts such as Billy Idol, Foreigner, Sheryl Crow, I'm Jealous, Stevie Nicks, Beyonce, and so many other world-class artists. He has drummed with Velvet Revolver at Ozfest for a crowd of 225,000 and played the Glastonbury Festival with Simple Minds. Mark has appeared on nearly every American, European, and Australian variety show. Mark, I could go on. Is there anything else in the introduction that you want to point out other than your book, which I'm going to talk about?
2: Bob, you're amazing. I'm going to take take you with me everywhere. <laughs> Welcome
0: to Elevate Your Leadership, Mark. It is awesome to have you here. There are so many facets to your life. And Elevate Your Leadership, my podcast is about leadership. And having read your book, what I think I've discovered, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but You decided at some point you need to lead yourself and be really, really well at it. Can you just kind of tell us how that came
2: to be? There are so many aspects of a great leader, in my opinion. If you go to MarkShulman.com, I actually have one of my short videos about leadership. For me, it's what I did is uh, it's leverage. I realized that, you know, I'm very philosophical. I'm very much into self-improvement. I'm very much into evolution, So I've had a lot of success as a drummer, but I have a lot of information that I want to impart because I've had so much success and I've studied the people with whom I've worked. I've studied Pink, studied Billy Idol, studied Shear. There's no accident to success. And I realized I could leverage my experience as a drummer and the fact that I apparently have the DNA of my parents who were both college professors as a teacher. And I started doing music clinics very early on So I've done like a thousand drum clinics and I thought, why should I limit getting up in front of just an audience of drummers when I could get up in front of an audience, a corporate audience, and learn more about the corporate culture, but provide some really wonderful takeaways and great road stories and live drumming performances and make what I call a rock show disguised as a keynote. And it occurred to me. So that's what I've done. I've leveraged it. I've done over a thousand speeches to, you know, American Express, Dell, IBM, Walmart. I have some of the, I'm doing one for PepsiCo, a virtual speech next week. I have some of the greatest corporate clients. So it really is about taking all the things you are, all your experiences because i believe that we all have a story to tell and we can all learn from each other i have a platform i'm very egoless about who i am and what i do i don't believe that i'm a rock star as much as i work for rock stars but people may hire me because i'm a rock star drummer but i can tell a damn good story because i've studied with two speech coaches acting a director an acting coach, a storyteller. So I've learned how to refine my craft. And so for me, it really is, I've been sort of the commander of my own ship and I'm always looking to evolve and I'm always looking to expand. I mean, that's what a great leader does. And I'm always here to be of service. I look at everything I do as being of service, whether I'm on stage, when I'm playing with Pink, when I'm on stage, I'm of service to Pink, to the band, to the dancers, to the singers, to the audience, to the crew, to everybody, because I'm the foundation. And for me, the way that I look at it, I love Simon Sinek's a viewpoint that great leaders eat lunch last. I look at it, if everybody else is happy, it's easy for me to be happy because I'm in the position of supporting everybody else. And as a drummer, in a way we're leaders because we are the foundation of the band. We are the concrete of the literal physical foundation because we set everything up and we hold everybody else up. And I found that up one night when I was playing with Cher, when I played something different when the dancers were up doing aerial stunts, I played something different. And when I was done, the director of the show, the moment we were in our dressing room, she was pounding on my door. She said, Mark, how come you change that? They're relying on you. They almost died because I changed what I was doing. And I realized my foundation, they are relying on. They are relying on this predictability, this consistency, this continuity, this trust. And that's all the same thing that a great leader possesses.
0: You're hitting the canons of leadership, in my opinion. You mentioned a couple things that are just key in my approach to leadership. You know, I own a company. I have 35 employees. And I served in Navy Special Operations for 26 awesome. years. You mentioned a ship. So the commander of a ship needs a course to steer and needs a port to be headed to. He needs to be on course and he needs someplace to go. And I butchered a quote by Henry Adams along those lines. And then you mentioned foundation, and that is so critical. And you mentioned a leader being stable and providing that foundation. It's so critical. One of my comparisons, one of my analogies is a leader has to have a solid foundation, a foundation that's very deep and very wide, much like a skyscraper. And that foundation often goes unseen, but without it, the skyscraper will topple and so will the leader. And fortunately, I've seen leaders who didn't have that really deep and wide foundation over the years. there's so much you got going on. I want to talk about your book real quick. It's an incredible book. what I like about it, it it's not 200 pages or maybe it is exactly 200 pages but it's
2: no it's it's less we try I, I try to make it I, I believe in brevity say as much as you can and take up as little of people's precious time as you can.
0: You did it well in this book Conquering life's stage fright in the book, part of your brevity is you broke it up into like three actually five sections but the three, Kind of meaty sections are clarity, capability, and confidence. And how did you, especially with that story in the beginning of the book, how did you, you know, section the way you approach leadership and public appearance into those three things?
2: Well, the title, Conquering Life Stage Fright, is sort of the lost leader because it, it's not really about conquering life stage fright, it's, it's the uh, subtext. Three Steps to Top Performance. Because I do talk about stage fright as the metaphor, quote unquote, but I call it the three Cs, clarity, capability, confidence. And this applies to leadership, this applies to followership. You need extreme clarity on everything you do. The more absolutely pinpointed that clarity is, then you understand, clarity is understanding exactly what it is you want to accomplish. Capability, once you are clear, you know exactly the actions that you need to take based on that clarity. And you need to develop that capability. You need to develop Gladwell, well, he stole from somebody else, but Gladwell's (laughs) 10,000 hours or more. Because this leads you to absolute confidence. Three Cs, clarity, capability, confidence. Confidence is what you want to have because when you're confident, that means that you have done the work. You have a very clear understanding as to what it is, why you've done the work and where you are going and what the outcome you need to accomplish. And it's real confidence as opposed to false confidence. False confidence is very, very dangerous. (laughs) So if you look at that sort of triad is the the, the basic tenant for anything that you're doing. You can create success. And I talked initially about the book, the impetus for the book was me failing this audition horribly. I did That was the bad I didn't know,
0: English audition, I didn't right?
2: Know, yeah, it was for bad English supergroup because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I realized I didn't have clarity on what I lacked. I was incredibly nervous, so I had a lot of stage fright. I also was rushing horribly, so my internal sense of meter was not established, which for a drummer is paramount. So I thought I was going to get the gig. I thought that was going to be the defining moment of that day, but the defining moment was when I miserably failed, and I realized, okay, I'm either going to step off the stage or I'm going to use this... As a great failure, you know, all the great entrepreneurs and great leaders talk about if you're going to fail, fail big. Well, I failed big, but I made two commitments, two promises to myself. One is I would learn how to, I, nobody would ever tell me that I'm speeding up or slowing down unless I want to speed up or slow down. So I worked my butt off spending two years just developing an enhanced sense of meter and time. You know, and there's a great metaphor for that, understanding your own personal timing, understanding how to be grounded, understanding when to communicate, when not to communicate, understanding, paying attention to the timing of others. As a leader, it's so critical to understand the flow of the music, the timing of the employees, the timing of when you're going to do a product launch, the timing of the branding, The timing of what the competition is doing. Timing is everything, really. And my second commitment I made to myself is I'm going to transform my fear into confidence. And that took a lot of work, a lot of inner work, a lot of understanding and doing the work. In other words, clarity, capability, reading, becoming capable truly understanding what motivates other people, understanding my why. You know, I talk about the difference between passion and purpose. We all need passion. Passion is what drives us. Passion is the activator, the motivator, the driver. But passion is fleeting because what happens when the passion wears down or you can't muster it up or God forbid it wears off? Well, there's an expansion of passion and that's purpose. Because passion may be how we play it, quote unquote, like as a drummer. It's not about what I play, it's how I play it. Purpose is why we do it. What's your intrinsic motivation? You need to constantly be in touch with your why. And understand the why is the nuance. For me, for the rock star performers, for the the greatest performers, every detail is critical we pay attention to every single moment. And the great leaders are understanding and noticing the details and the nuances that others don't notice. The devil is in the details, as they say.
0: You know, you hit some keys there. Keys with me and the way I approach leadership. You talked about defining moments. And uh, when when I deliver the Elevate Your Leadership experience to my clients, I talk about a defining moment during my military career, and I give everybody 24 hours to Think about their defining moment and share that with the group but the point of that defining moment is when these very significant things happen in our lives there's a lesson to be captured that you know defining moments will change the way you approach things obviously that bad english audition that didn't go your way was a defining moment for you and you had two tangible takeaways that were with you and probably everything else you do in, in my military career during a diving operation in the gulf of mexico a number of years ago the commanding officer directed a change in what we do and how we do it. And I looked at my team, this was last minute, we were just getting ready to head out on our tactical craft and and go do this diving operation. And uh, somebody ran up to me last minute and said, hey, the commanding officer said, we're gonna change things and here's how you need to do this. That person left and I looked at my team and I said, starting tomorrow, we're gonna change the way we do this. The order was starting immediately, but uh, out of self-interest, I said, starting tomorrow. Anyway, we got out on the water, Things went sideways. I looked like somebody who just lacked responsibility. It was a terrible experience. And, uh, but that commanding officer, he gave me a path for recovery. And I went on to have a a wonderful 26 year career after that significant mistake. But that was a defining moment in my career. And I love the way you capture that. You also talk about passion and purpose. And I think that's huge. You know, I love it. I love it when you can see the passion in somebody rather than them tell you. How passionate they are about things. It's genuine when you see it, rather than them have to tell you about that. You know, as we talk about these things, and it's amazing, the lessons in leadership that you've mentioned, and you've discussed, and you've captured, are you familiar with sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and management of, you know, being in control of yourself, which is what you were just talking about, noticing the nuance and being in control of yourself?
2: I have studied that somewhat, and actually more relative to health because my ex-wife had cancer our entire relationship. And in the middle of her cancer, I got cancer. Quite, a, That's another story. I tell that story in my book. That is the last chapter because it's stranger than fiction. You can't believe it. It's pretty amazing. But <laughs> I understand the parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system as it relates to health but why don't you expand on that a little bit? Well, little- just
0: just briefly, it, it is a, an aspect of health, there's no doubt about it, but when you fully understand the functioning, it becomes a further way to, for you to control yourself. And, and the only reason I bring it up is a lot of your discussion, clarity and capability and confidence, you're talking about self-control and you're talking about observation. And so you're sympathetic and you're parasympathetic, they kind of, you know, sympathetic is fight, flight, or freeze, the tiger's chasing me and parasympathetic is rest and digest. I'm in control. I've got good 360 yeah. degree vision. And But for somebody like you and, and the highly energetic life you lead, we'll discuss that more offline. I, I just think it's so relative. When I learned about it as a veteran, I learned about it going through a traumatic brain injury program that was that was available for veterans. And this is stuff I wish I would have learned 25 years ago or 30 wow. years ago. You know, You also talk about attitude being highly contagious. And I've seen that so many times but can you dive into that a little bit how you how you conceptualize that?
2: Well yeah, that is actually the topic of our next book and actually the gentleman that created developed this formula by which I swear by I live by and we're writing our next book Dr. Jim Samuels who's an amazing he's one of the great thinkers on our planet. He's been a mentor of mine for 35 years. So He took notice and realized that so many things are out of our control. We know that, but what is always within our control is our ability to choose, shift, or change our attitude about what is happening to us. At any moment, right now, we all have the power, you have the power to consciously shift your attitude if you put your focus on it. This is absolutely, Powerful, some of the most powerful and magnificent information. What makes it well, I call it the golden ticket, is because by understanding that the power you have the power to do this, your attitude is actually what drives your behavior. Think about the power of that. So, if you shift your attitude from one of scarcity to one of abundance, to one of lack to one of to one of gratitude, to one of. I have to do this to I get to do this. These are some of the attitude shifts I talk about in my speech. These are dramatic, dramatic attitude shifts that are going to produce different behaviors. And by adjusting your behavior, you're producing different consequences or outcomes of your life. It's a very simple formula. Attitude times behavior equals consequence. A times B equals C. So our next book that will come out this year is all on the power of attitude. And we interview some incredible thought leaders in all fields, everybody from Judd Apatow to Howie Mandel Wow. to the late Tony Shea, to the ex-CEO of Kodak, Jeff Clark, to Martina Navratilova. You got it,
0: you got it. Uh,
2: <laughs> Grant Cardoni, <laughs> Seth Godin's in it. You know, we've got all these amazing thinkers and some great athletes. So they talk about the power of attitude. And I got them to think about when there were times in their life when they made conscious attitude shifts, both positive and negative, because it can go either way. That unto itself is a great leadership tactic to explain to people so they understand that they have the power at any point to shift their attitude, and your attitude is very contagious. It affects everybody around you, and we know that, because if you walk in with an attitude of positivity and possibility, as an example, or an attitude of, I'm here and I get to do this, interview rather than I have to do this interview. They're very different origins of viewpoint. They're very different tenants. So it really gives you enormous power. And then we go into great detail on how that relates to everybody's basic MO, modus operandi, and how you can shift your MO, which shifts your attitude. And it can go very, very deep. But I like to keep it very, very simple. Just understanding that you have that power, especially during this pandemic because there is so much focus and so much challenge. In the midst of the worst challenges and the most desperate situations, you can still have hope and generate internal happiness. And that is an attitude shift and that you are all capable of. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but the greatest things are not necessarily easy. They're just possible. So I want people just to understand the possibility.
0: Yeah having hope, dreams and hope if you will, I think is critical to having high energy and just getting out there and getting after it every day. You kind of got back to the way I think of the foundation of leadership. You want to be that consistent, that same person every day. You want to be reliable. You want people to interact with that same positive attitude. People want to know that they're getting the same kind of steady positive person on a regular basis and that is huge and and it's not easy to do that every day like you said
2: it's concentrated and it's beyond simple positivity. It's about specific characteristics that you're creating. If you're creating stability, if you're creating consistency, if you're creating the decision to communicate concisely and with authority, these are conscious decisions. You might learn them; they might just become a part of your natural sort of character and personality, but they still are attitudes. You mentioned COVID.
0: Let's just talk about that a little bit. I mean, you are used to traveling the world with two full-time jobs, that I can ascertain okay. anyway. One being world-famous rock and roll drummer, and the other one being a motivational speaker. I don't think really. I said call it. myself an activational speaker. Exactly. <laughs> Again, because you just you bring that energy and you bring. You bring your drum kit, (laughs) literally. So first tell us outside of COVID, what does an experience look like when Mark Shulman shows up to be that speaker? And then tell us what you've been doing with all this COVID stuff.
2: Well, part of my attitude as a speaker, there are two basic attitudes I have. One is I want the client and the meeting planner to walk away thinking Mark was the easiest person I've ever worked with. He made the entire experience so easy and so joyful for everybody because especially as a rock star a lot of times they expect the ego to go along with a rock star so i want (laughs) to completely destroy that prejudice so that's my first desire my second thing i tell them is from the moment that plane lands till the moment i get on the return plane i am yours whatever you need me for i am here to be of service When I talked about being of service earlier, I was serious. I truly believe that everything in my life is about being of service, everything I do. And if I look at it that way, then I become of more value. It humbles my ego and it enables me to be more empathetic and pay more attention to others' needs and others' wants.
0: To be of service is, that's something, it took me a long time to figure that out. We're gonna take a quick break for capitalism and we're gonna come back and continue Mark's concept of being of service. And we are back. And we were talking about being of service. Mark, I believe in the book you talk about your father being a PhD. I think he was an English major. Is that right?
2: Yeah, he had a PhD in grammar and composition and wrote four college-level grammar books. So I was a grammar tutor in college. Oh, cool. I inherited the grammar gene.
0: (laughs) Well, that certainly has to help shape who you are today. That's super cool. But that service attitude that you have, that part of your DNA being of service, Do you think uh, a summer, a lot of that is rooted in your upbringing?
2: Yes and no. I don't think it's part of my DNA. I think it's a decision. It's an attitude. Okay. Okay. It's a decision that I've made. I don't think that I was very service oriented as a kid or even as a teenager. I think I was selfish. I think I was a bit of a brat. And I think that at some point I realized that I could be of a lot more value by being of service. So these were decisions that I made I mean, my parents were were lovely people and they were very service oriented. They were teachers. I mean, to be a teacher alone, to decide on that profession, to take that pay cut based on what you can do is you know that you are a dedicated servant. (laughs) I mean, teachers are to be a teacher is one of the most honorable jobs, one of the most honorable positions one can take because you are constantly of service and you're paid shit as a result. Like teachers should be paid what doctors get paid. and yeah. I feel that I, I feel that there's it's disproportionate. So by nature, they have that service gene. It just took me a while to kind of get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guilty is charged as well. It does take a while. You know, they say the more you give, the more you get. and that's just been my experience. Well, it feels well,
2: good. You, you are like you, you, right. you are getting surges of serotonin and dopamine because you're giving. <laughs> It does That's, change our own brain chemistry. It feels so good to give. That's not the reason to do it, but that is a wonderful byproduct.
0: I saw a scientist give a presentation, and the scientist said that the serotonin and dopamine and human growth hormone and cortisol, you know, the key chemicals that your brain produces, if those natural Oxytocin chemicals...
2: Oxytocin is also one of the good ones. What? What is? Oxytocin is okay, one of the good Okay, okay.
0: And he probably mentioned that one, too. But he said that if... The elements of those exact chemicals could be in a pill. That would be the most powerful pill for the brain on the planet. In other words, the brain produces the most powerful chemicals that your brain and body react to. So that second part of the question there, what have you been doing since this whole COVID thing, being a, somebody who's used to being gone quite a bit?
2: One of the things I talk about in my speech is, you know, in the month of March and April, I had 19 speaking gigs vanish. Now, that's scary, sure. and I'd never done a virtual presentation because I do a, what I call a rock show disguise as a keynote with drumming and interaction and all those high-energy stories, and I'm, a, I'm the live guy. So I came to the conclusion after doing a lot of studying that our success, so much of our success is based on one thing, how we manage change. We either embrace it or we resist it. So for a few days, I was resisting the hell out of it. I was anxious, (laughs) I was afraid, I was telling myself this story that I could never do a virtual presentation. I woke up one morning, I said, you're being pathetic. I said, I shifted my story, I decided to embrace it. It was like magic. The moment I decided to embrace it, I had this flood of creativity and solutions. All of a sudden I got so excited, so motivated to put together the most badass virtual speech I could. I learned about cameras, about lights, or got a tech to help me. We had just, as luck would have it, built this annex to our house, which was a portrait studio, this huge, big, white, fully lit room. I got adjunct lighting. I worked with a tech. I put together a virtual presentation. And now I'm giving dozens of virtual speeches to some very happy Fortune 500 clients. So I embrace the change. Now, we're not out of the woods. So some days I wake up and I'm still resisting. So I remind people, you always have the power to move from resistance to embracing. And we still need to because we're not out of the woods. Because when you embrace, you shift your attitude essentially and you start focusing on what you're capable of as opposed to resisting what you're afraid. I'd much rather be the cause of what I want than the effect of what i do not want so that's True. what i'm doing and fortunately pink's off this year there's no live show scheduled that's out of the question yet so i'm writing the next book on the power of abc i'm doing virtual speeches i'm working with some organizations one is um healthcare workers rot to raise money for healthcare workers True. i did a big cancer <laughs> benefit for a friend of mine I'm spending lovely time with my 10-year-old daughter and my wife. I'm doing a lot of recording in my recording studio that I'm in right now. I'm not even in. I have a video studio and a recording studio.
0: Super cool. Um, I was going to ask you what that background was all about. And
2: I'm doing a lot of podcasts and trying to be of service as much as I can. The background is my control room of my recording studio.
0: Super cool. So background here, I'm in the boardroom or my conference room at iFly Virginia Beach Indoor Skydiving.
2: And and I see like a stage and and a flag and curtains. (laughs) You're very eloquent. You got me beat.
0: This is a beautiful boardroom that overlooks the oceanfront. Right there in front of me is the Atlantic Ocean, the oceanfront, the hotels. It's a beautiful view. And Elevate Your Leadership was designed to take place here in this boardroom. And then we have the flight experience. You know, you talk about comfort zone quite a bit. And when I put Elevate Your Leadership together, the metaphor with the flight experience is that we get outside of our comfort zone, right? And, and I
2: can't wait, man, brother. I'm there. Oh. Like, when COVID's oh, yeah. done, and, I am there.
0: And bring your family because kids just come alive. It's so, families oh, come yeah. alive, really. We changed our mission from delivering the dream of flight to bringing people together through the dream of flight because we just see it every day. It's so That's super awesome. cool. I love it. Yeah, yeah, super cool. So what's next then? What's What's on your plate?
2: what's on my plate is more virtual speeches, finish the book, do more sessions and prepare for the live because now I'm getting a lot of clients. that want to go live again. I mean, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, according to Fauci by April, we'll have enough <laughs> vaccines in the country distributions, another deal, but we'll all be vaccinated. We'll be able to get back out. I think that there is this incredible Thirst and desire for people to get back together again. So I'm very optimistic about conventions and concerts. The two businesses I'm involved in, the conventions business and the live touring business, have been on hiatus.
0: Yeah, shut they off, come back.
2: I think they're going to come back like, pow! So I'm optimistic about that. I know that the latter part of the year is going to be great. We're looking forward to traveling. My wife hasn't seen her Swedish family in a year and a half. I mean, there's a lot to do. I'm optimistic about all of it, being of service to others and spreading the love and doing as many podcasts as I can and being of service. Well, I think,
0: I think, uh, I think you're doing a great.
2: Staying healthy.
0: Yeah, def- definitely staying healthy. You got to stay on top of that. Well, I think you're you're being of great service, first of all, to me personally, for, for coming on Elevate Your Leadership and having this discussion. And I know through some of the other things you're involved with, uh, you are a very giving, very service-oriented person. And just real quick, I'll tell people I met Mark about three years ago. He was doing a concert with Pink in Washington, D.C. He had a very busy schedule, but he agreed to come and meet with a small group of us, spend a full day with us. And it was just very gracious and very giving of you. And and I I think I thanked you then, but I'll thank you again.
2: That's what we do. At least that's what I think we all should be doing. I, I try to do it myself as much as I can.
0: How do people track you down? I mean, I've looked at your web presence, your social media presence, it's huge. You talked about those tracks that you make and every one of them is like super, super cool and high energy, but how can people track you down?
2: Well, uh, mark at markshulman.com and shul- it's M A R K S C H U L M A N. I do a weekly video. You can join my newsletter. I'm on Instagram at Marky Planet, M A R K Y P L A N E T. It's also my handle for, uh, Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and you can email me personally. Ooh. Mark, mark at markshulman.com. I answer every email might take me a month, but I do because I like personal communication. I like to be accessible. I think it's important to be accessible no matter what stage of your life you're at, no matter how much celebrity you've experienced.
0: (laughs) More of that giving and more of that that service orientation. I'm going to hold your book up one more time because it's just a cool, quick, easy read. And And that's available
2: on Amazon, Conquering Life Stage Fright. And look out, join my newsletter because the next book on attitude is going to blow your mind.
0: Mark Shulman, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And I can't wait till we can see each other in person again.
2: Bob, you rock.
0: <laughs> thank you, sir. Cheers, Have a great Thanks, brother.
2: Day. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to the Elevate Your Leadership podcast. To contact Bob directly or to learn more about how Bob can advance you and your organization through leadership training, team building, executive coaching, and public speaking, visit robertpizzini.com. Robert. P I Z Z I N I dot com and connect with him on LinkedIn.